It is time to tune up the band and hop! Boy, are we going to get salty on this one, for it is another episode of the Sweet Chinwag Podcast. I am Sam, always alongside Reardon and Dan, as we continue our journey for the wacky world of professional wrestling. Hi, chaps. How have you been? I, I Even though I know for a fact we have been incredibly busy this week. Bro, it has been... I, as I said, right, I have been... I have been tired since, like, Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> oh, th- th- no, that is a effing mood <laughs> just so much work so much work uh yeah. and it's great to see a positive and very negative reception to the work i've been doing <laughs> yeah oh yeah <laughs> i'll get into that later i'll make it a recommendation there we go, there you go. apart from yeah. that though guys i mean this is the episode we've been waiting to do for a very long time it's always been an episode we, we, we've had on the card since the very beginning of this podcast. And what so, better way to talk about it during this time than when he gets released? Oh, man. Oh, boy. All righty. Uh, so rather than me trying to delay the inevitable and be scared about this, let's get straight into it. Let's get straight into it and the, the whole preamble stuff. We give you this podcast. Thanks to those people over at SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and forever pending other platforms. You know, guys, we are going to be so damn salty this episode. <laughs> like, it's going to be ridiculous. But... We are also going to be pending because we are always pending and we always, always will be. Absolutely. Also, patreon.com forward slash sweet chinwag, where you can go and help us out by donating to the cause of the sweet chinwag and make us do silly things. Like, if we yeah. get to £100 in our back of goal, we will review the whole 2001 season of the XFL. Whose idea was that? Well, wait, it, it was all of our yeah. ideas. It, <laughs> that, 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 that thing haunts We also me. have, uh, I believe we also have, was it Heroes of Wrestling? We have Heroes there, of Wrestling, yep. Which is at like £20, and if we if we do get to that, then I'll probably drag uh, Ruin into it as well, so... Oh boy. Allegedly he likes watching it, so Oh god. <laughs> I assume in like an ironic watching bad movies because they're bad way like I do. See here was the thing. I'm glad you went twenty pounds and not twenty-two pounds just for the joke. Nah. I'm glad you I'm glad you did that. Huh, you wanna play twenty-one? Well, I got twenty-two. Anyway, all of that, all the goodies, all of our tier lists. Wait, that's my Jake the Snake impression, by the way. <laughs> It's accurate, to be fair. All of that you can find, including all of the tier lists, starting from £1 all the way up, you can find over at patreon.com, where you can also have access to an exclusive Discord server and episodes one day early. All of that on patreon.com forward slash sweet chinwag. All right, guys, before we get into this and talking about Cesaro and his WWE career... Let us head over and visit Dan for this week's wrestling news. Dun 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 down. Wrestling news. <sighs> so let's just get straight into it and honestly send out our greatest wishes to Biggie. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because man. <laughs> yeah, that man did not that have is, a... uh that was a really unfortunate situation. Yeah. 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 Um yeah, that was a rough watch on SmackDown. 
Um, so to, to to the uninitiated, to those who haven't seen it, it was I believe it was a, a tag team match: uh, Sheamus mm-hmm. and Ridge Holland versus the New Day. And during an out uh, an out off out ring segment, uh, Ridge Holland uh, goes for a belly to belly overhead suplex. But I think the timing uh, the timing was uh, very off um, from from the from the move happening. And what happened was that Big E was spiked on on top of his head uh, onto the ground, and uh, he imme- he immediately went down. And it was uh, yeah, it was a pretty pretty rough uh, thing to see. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, but no, from from all we've heard, and from bloody uh, how, how Big E's managed to do it from his hospital bed <laughs> in a neck brace, he has assured everyone that he's okay, even though it is a neck fracture. <laughs> Yeah, and even he, though he's fractured two vertebrae in his neck, he is absolutely fine. He's got all the feeling in his uh, hands and uh, hands and feet, and his arms and legs. He can move them about, um, and he's remaining as positive as anyone could possibly be, <laughs> given the situation. <laughs> I have never known anyone to be so positive, despite the fact that they had a horrible injury happen to them. <laughs> yeah. I'm just glad it wasn't worse. That's all I'm gonna say. Yeah, no, that is, that is literally it. Because like... it could have been, it could have been really horrible. It could have been like a Chono or an Austin neck injury. Yeah, yeah. Um, gosh, no. Um, so, so, I mean, a lot of people say a speedy recovery, but for something like a neck injury, we've seen that when people nah, come just... back way too soon, it really affects the rest of their career. So, it's, so to Biggie, I say. Just take the time. Take as much as you possibly need because we'll still be mm-hmm. here and we'll still be saying on this podcast whenever you come back that you should still be WWE champion. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. No, Big E, you take all the time you need, buddy. We, we we all here, all three of us, wish you a really good recovery and that you're going to come back stronger than ever. We'll be here. We'll still be waiting. and You are going to get that monstrous pop you deserve. Yeah, he oh. will. He will. Um, but also that leads into a conversation which a lot of people I heard talk about is um, Ridge Holland himself. Now we've been on the past on gone on record saying that we like Ridge Holland. Yeah, no, I think it's one of those things of like it's kind of, it's kind of like what I said with aspects of WWE before, mm-hmm. and I think the way that their system is working now, mm-hmm. which is that obviously you, know, you want to get people out there and you want to start getting people TV time, but like you need to balance that against the need to actually like really make sure everything's down because you know, um, you know, for, for some people, 75% is accurate enough, but yeah. in a lot of cases you need it to be kind of 95. Exactly. Exactly. And, not everyone, know, not as, everyone as I was has to say like, you know, ex- extra seasoning can't hurt. Exactly. I mean, not everyone, I feel like not everyone is going to be as naturally gifted as Kurt Angle when he was in developmental. Like, it took him, I think, from the time he got signed to when he was in developmental to a main roster, I think it was a span of 10 months. Yeah, but also the the thing is, though, is that not everyone has the base that he comes from. Exactly. Exactly. Because, like, someone like Kurt Angle or Chad Gable or... You know, even you know, if we're talking about in another sense, Gable Stevenson, mm. they're coming from a place where they have that knowledge base about how to do those movements. Exactly. Maybe not necessarily in like a in like a pro wrestling sense, but you know, they understand the mechanics of it. Mm-hmm. 
you know, it's like when they were showing uh, the uh, Catch Wrestling U were showing the the clip of Brock Lesnar doing the overhead on the outside to Triple H. Yes, but you can see that he has he like the he has the sense of movement down on how to do it. Exactly, um, he doesn't need to land in a bridge, but like he understands the, how he needs to move his body. Exactly. And, um, you know, I mean, the thing is, you look at it now and you say, look, right, this is like, what, the, the third time someone's gotten hurt or he's hurt himself in the course of a match. Yeah. What sucks is, as I said, what um, sucks about it is that we've always we've we've bigged up Ridge Holland. We like him. And he was a really kind of promising, talented kind of guy built like a brick shit house. And if he was given further kind of like kind of further training into the fundamentals, I think he would have been a great big guy. It's that bloody WWE mindset, though, of you you're calling up a guy based on his looks alone and not realizing that the guy needs a bit more kind of finessing um in in the in the fundamentals i feel like maybe i'm maybe i'm the only one or maybe there's a few people he was called up way too soon after he got injured and came back because if he wasn't injured if he wasn't injured he'd had a a few bits in nxt television i would have thought yeah maybe that would have been time for him to call up but the fact he got injured and then came back and then so soon after coming back he got called up it's a bit strange I mean, yeah. a lot of people say, "Oh, but he had enough experience." But there's a there is a massive difference in being in the performance center, doing the Florida kind of circuit, the N- the Florida house show circuit that NXT do, and then being in NXT dark matches. Then it is touring across America for live TV shows. There's a massive difference. Yeah. Um. Because with at least when you're doing the Florida, the NXT Florida circuit you're based in florida where you can easily drive to and from places back to your own place you can recoup you can go to the performance center you've got kind of an air of security where you can actually recuperate whereas when you're touring you don't have that you have to go from one town to the other with not much time to kind of relax or train i think also part of it though is that the demands are completely different exactly yeah you're asking completely different things of the talent working and the thing is, you know, when you are there and you're doing match on TV, you're going to want to start pushing the boundary. You're going to start wanting some of that spectacle. Mm. And that's where that's where the risk starts coming in. Yeah. That's where you kind of have to go and work harder and faster and, you know, get to that point where, you know, you're doing these spots like this, maybe even like nine, ten minutes into a match. Mm. And that's the thing that you, it only comes with time and experience. Yeah, because it's it's that same old adage that we keep hearing so many times from 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 like wrestlers, and when you hear these kind of like awful moments happen, it's easy to do it if you're kind of like trying to kind of like prove you can do it in the ring before the show when you're not, but five or ten minutes or even twenty minutes into a match when you're kind of really you know you're sweaty and you're a little bit exhausted, it's a whole different ball game. Case in point, mm-hmm. Brock Lesnar trying to do the shooting star press in WrestleMania 19. Earlier in the day, he showed it and proved that he could do it, but 20 minutes into the match, when they're both gassed and he's sweaty as anything. Yeah. yeah. It's a completely different thing. Um, it's, it's just a, it's a whole shame. And I think, you know... I, I don't know what to think of this really. It's like who who do you put the finger of blame on for this one? 
Um, but if there is if there is a sole thing or person or people to blame for this, I, it's just yeah. It's such I don't a... I don't know that there's like a single person that's to be blamed for this. Mm. Yeah, it's just one of the. I do. I am slightly more kind of like sympathetic. I do think it is one of those things. Yeah, and it and it and it has worked out as like absolutely as best as it possibly could, mm. short of it not happening at all. So it's just yeah, yeah. It's one of those things as well when I really think about it and think to myself, these guys really need an off season. Yeah. Mm, yeah. I know it's like, oh, but you're losing money. It's like, no, no, like for the sake, I think for the sake of your company and for your, um, for your, at your main assets, which are the superstars, you really want to give them an off season. <laughs> I think they deserve an off season at this point because it's like, well, the thing I've always, the thing I've always said is you don't necessarily, you know, it's not even necessarily an off season. You just need to make sure that you're rotating people. Yeah. yeah. You know, just making sure that people aren't getting overexposed, making sure people that aren't, um, you know, doing stuff and being there for the sake of being there. Mm-hmm. That's the main thing. Will it happen though? Especially when the like the main whole thing is they've got two people that they're building the company around on, and no well, one else. <laughs> this is going to be the thing I was going to say. It's never going to happen though. Because it seems like WWE struggles with anything beyond like the most basic storytelling. <laughs> and to be fair, it is a discussion worth worth having about wrestling's rejection of complex story. Exactly. <laughs> that is a separate discussion. <laughs> but yeah, all the best to Big E. That's what I say. Yeah. All the best. Ah. <laughs> oh. What else? Uh, in other news, though, we uh, did have Revolution, and I think we were mostly wrong. <laughs> as, as always, we're, mo- we're mostly wrong. Well, I don't know. I think we got some bits right. Yeah, to a certain extent, but then sometimes, like, some of the things we got, like, we got wrong. Um, I mean, we did talk about Wardlow potentially winning, which is what happened. The, well, uh, the... yeah, so I was saying that I reckon Wardlow was going to win to then set up the Wardlow-MJF feud. Mm-hmm. Uh, which late... seems to be the direction things, which almost definitely seems to be the direction things are going. Yeah. Um, although that being said, as I said, as 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 um, as, uh, as I watched it, it's like, man, Ricky Starks still not getting any love, man. I really, I wanted Ricky Starks to win that one. So no, bad. that's the that's the thing though. It's like you look at it and actually like, I understand why they're doing the whole Wardlow MJF thing, right? I understand it. Of course. It's a classic, um, you know, like it's the classic, you know, muscle beating up the uh, his like, you know, yeah, is the antagonist sort of thing. Like I, that, it's 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 a tale as old as time in professional wrestling. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Eddie Kingston winning, uh, winning the match by it submission. Was the, okay, look, right. I I spoke to the guys over at UWP. It was the only correct decision. Exactly. Any other option was wrong. Exactly. To be defeated if Eddie by Kingston did not, if Eddie Kingston did not win that match, like just you gotta throw the whole company out. <laughs> yeah. <Exactly>. Start over. <laughs> um, Hook comfortably defeating QT Marshall via submission with the red with red oh, yeah. rum. You love to That's see that El Camino, bro. <laughs> 
Layla Hirsch defeated Chris Statlander. Uh, the House of Black ended up pe- uh, beating uh, Pac Penta and Eric Redbeard. Jurassic Express retaining the tag titles, which I'm honest was quite surprised yeah, by, considering was... the Bucks were at the match. <laughs> I wasn't. I was. I wasn't expecting it. I'll be honest, but um, I don't. I don't really know. Again, I don't really know what the like the next step is. Um, I see Jay Cargill winning over Ty Conti. Um, great, great I match. Will, like, I don't think there's anything I need to say about the AEW women's division that hasn't already been said many, many times by many, many people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, the oh, guys, can we talk about the dog collar match? We are going to talk about the fucking CM dog collar match Punk because coming it's so out, damn good. Coming out to AFI. And coming out yeah, in his Ring Sam, of Honor gear. You like that, you ROH, Mark? Oh, I fucking loved it. <laughs> you disgusting. So easy to please. Oh, fuck it. I was so easily pleased when he came out in the in, in the punk shorts and the ring jacket. And he came out to AFI. I was like, yo, yo fuck you, Tony. You're, you're playing to my heartstrings right now. I was just like, yes, this... This this is nice. I like this. <laughs> Great match. Fantastic match from the pair oh, of yeah. them. Um uh really one of the finer examples of a dog collar match, uh, in terms of its storytelling mm-hmm. and how bloody and how much of a bloody affair it was. <laughs> I was I was very surprised by the amount just the amount of blood that was uh, spilt on this match. Great storytelling as well, right by the end where Wardlow comes yep. out. Looking like he looking like he's going to hand the diamond ring to MJF, but saying that he lost it. And then when MJF's down and CM Punk's looks like he's going to beat MJF, Wardlow <laughs> brings out the diamond ring, finds it, and pops it in the ring to give to Punk. I was like, yes. Now that's how you do a good like Wardlow face turn because it would have been easy to just have had Wardlow, you know, beat up MJF at one point, but to do it in such a way as to go, you know. Oh, I'll just fuck you over in this match. There you go. And <laughs> just walk mm-hmm. off. It's like, that's really cool to do. That's a really different way of doing it. I like that. Great match, though. Yeah. Oh. No, brilliant, brilliant match all around. Uh, the AEW Women's Championship was I, I was very surprised by. Very surprised by that they made that they um that Britt Baker retained. Like Thunder Rosa. Yeah, I'm very it's surprised not, by that. I don't know if it sounds bad, but like I don't know. I'm I'm kinda getting like bored of Britt Baker in ring. It's I didn't mind her, but I think it's I think now's the time I think maybe we should we should, you know. But from we what should I've be heard, looking at switching something up. But from what I've heard, St. Patrick's Day Slam is going to be Britt Baker versus Thunder Rosa in a steel cage match. So I'm well, that's what that's... I mean. So like, I'm mm-hmm. I'm hoping that's going to be. That's probably where they're going to pull the trigger because I'd like to yeah. hope that they pull the trigger. Oh, Moxley for Mox versus Danielson was incredible. Yes, <laughs> it was like the perf. It was just like that perfect mix of like <laughs> two people who visually could not be more different from each other. <laughs> It was such a good match, and the way it ended. Well, Moxley defeating uh, Brian by a pinfall in a quite really good, convincing oh, fashion. Yeah. Uh, Danielson's very pissed, and it's uh, and a lot of them. Uh, well, just as bad as they were about to get into a like a like a post match uh, scuffle. Who should enter but William Regal? 
looking like a pissed off dad splitting them apart going what the bloody hell do you think you're doing <laughs> well this is my favorite thing about it was like since this has happened obviously it's been the storylines on dynamite and stuff which is that like william regal looking at brian danielson being like this is my son who has become everything I could not be. He is the perfect child. And looking at John Moxley and going, I found him in a bin somewhere. Yes. <laughs> I love that because li- that was literally what his promo was. This yeah. guy, the perfect wrestler. This guy, the most perfect sadistic bastard I've ever seen. <laughs> Love it. Like generally, it's oh, what a way Dude, for Regal. He's gonna to come be in. he's gonna be a big boost for AEW. Regal uh, yes. is going to be the on screen authority. I would imagine on screen authority figure for Ring of Honor. There you go. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Dude, I am not against that one bit. That this it, it it I I want Reagan to be the the leader of the pit. That is what I want. <laughs> I want go. Regal. It's just gonna be. It's just that. It's just that thing of like. You know, I like the thing of him being there to like control the two of them. Mm-hmm. And oh. like, I know there were lots of those people who were like, "Oh, you know, William Regal, like mentoring, mentoring these two, like that has no relation." I'm like, look, I'm not gonna lie, the relation is tenuous at best, but like, <laughs> just go with it because it's more of a connection than anything that anything else anyone can come up with. Exactly. Exactly. Great match. I got, I got, I got an FCW match. Like that's about it. <laughs> Great match, by the way. If you've not seen really a match for anyone um, that hasn't Dean seen Ambrose that. in FCW, that was a great rivalry and a great. For some match. Re- it's one of the few FCW matches that actually posted online. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, I'm oh. still. Go- I'm. I don't care. I'm still going to say that. What the fuck was this six man six man match doing before the main event? Exactly. Yeah. I- <laughs> Darby I have no idea why it was here. <laughs> Darby Sting and Sammy Guevara uh, facing the Andrade um, Hardy family office. Uh, the penultimate match. Mm, I, is this? I know. I, I I certainly wouldn't have had this as the penultimate match. <laughs> I probably would like. I probably would have swapped this with like. <laughs> Saying to be, that, to be though, honest, I'd probably swap that with like the Revolution ladder match. But true. Saying all of this though, I will say this: at sixty-two years old, Sting still fucking got it. Yes, the Madman. Yeah, Sting a... with the fucking table dive. Let's the go. Table dive, man, off the exit door of the arena. Holy shit! When he said he was retired. <laughs> This isn't That's by, this is see you around. A few years later, he's fucking jumping off high <laughs> like places into tables. Sting. I told you, we were we were all we were all on the wrong side of the Sting Undertaker argument. <laughs> it, listen, in our defense. Like we didn't know. Our, we, we didn't, didn't know. In our in our defense, Undertaker was out there making five star matches every year while Sting was, you know, he was vibing. Like simply vibing. Sting. <laughs> Holy shit. Like honestly, man. I wanna know what Sting's built out of because I wanna be a bit of the same kind of thing. Yes. 
can we? I was going to say we're going to have to do an addendum episode of of a Sting retrospective when we talk about how how uh, how Sting lost his mind when he turned sixty and decided to become twenty again. <laughs> I am perfectly happy with that. <laughs> and in the main event, we had the Adams facing one another yeah. as Hangman Page defeated Adam Cole in a a good main event match, but I wouldn't necessarily call it the match of the night. Actually. Um, as as a match, it felt pretty lukewarm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think but the like, right decision uh, like, was I, made. I think I think I think the right decision was made. It certainly would have been interesting mm. if it went the other way. But I think maybe in the the long run, it's not it's not a bad idea. Yeah, give Adam Obviously, Cole time. The, the thing the thing becomes you know what what next for the AEW World Title? True. Um, um, if if asked me, I've always said it, and I will put it out here right now. Hangman Page's greatest rival has is yet to come back from from the injury list, and when he does come back, I'm telling you this match: Hangman Page versus Miro is going to be a bloody good match. <laughs> see, I, see, like I've got like my list of people who in my head need to win the AEW title. Right, Miro's one of yeah. them. <laughs> yes, so Miro's one of them. Another one is Pack. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, because now because I'm saying it, it's going to rhyme Malachi Black. <laughs> and then in my head, Eddie Kingston. Yeah. Oh, and MJF. Oh, oh obviously, obviously. There's going to be like, the if, if, for the big heel, yeah, MJF's going to have a run with the title sooner rather than later. That's for damn sure. <laughs> Um, and then obviously I, I obviously I also have Ricky Starks, but I always feel like my belief in that fact is going to be dashed rapidly. <laughs> one day, one, one day. day for Adam Cole, I say give him if, if they're going to put the title on him, give him more time. He will have his moments when he is champion. Yeah. I have no doubt in my mind because it's Adam Cole for crying out loud. But more, to, give him more time. Um, I think with this whole thing with the elite and the undisputed originals, which is now what they're calling, which is I think is a nice little like little yeah. nudge nudge wink wink of what they're calling uh, uh Cole Fish and O'Reilly, uh, let that play out and see what comes of that because it could be again that we have Cole O'Reilly in a rivalry, which if I'm honest, I'm not fussed with because they are really good matches. Cole and say, O'Reilly, like, I'm have. not against it at all. I'm not against it one bit. <laughs> Well, on the topic of AEW and talking of people coming in, oh, it's about time that this guy came in. Jeff Hardy made his debut in AEW. Let me just say shout out to Jeff Hardy for doing the my my friend is being beaten up, but I got to get my shit in on the entrance rap spot. <laughs> yes, my brother is being beaten up, quick. but fuck it, doing the Hardy dance. It's like, real, I don't, real, I don't real, care, real, though. Real. I respect it so much. <laughs> it's like, I got to get my shit in. Listen, I, I, I think it's like, it's like the brothers know the score. This <laughs> it's just there, like my brother's getting beaten up, and he's just like, "No, nah, I've got to hit my spot." I'm sorry. <laughs> I is it's fantastic to see Jeff back, mm-hmm. uh, to see Jeff in AEW and back with Matt. Um, and B, this definitely does seem like this is right. We've turned the page. This seems to be the farewell tour of the Hardys, and honestly, oh, I it, is. it is, it is, it is, one billion percent kick ass with this final leg. Uh, because man, oh, 
just think of the just AEW alone. Who have they got that they can have? Right, FTR is going to be a great tag match. Jurassic yeah. Express is going to be a really good uh, tag match. Bucks, obviously, they've had great matches. They had that fantastic ladder match at Ring of Honor before uh, before WrestleMania 33. Red Dragon's also a great shout. The House of Black is going to be great. The Lucha Brothers, oh, that's going to be a great See, match. See, I think with the the House of Black one, I'd much rather see Malachi and, and Buddy versus yes. Jeff and Matt. I, I agree with that. But then again, but then again, like, you know, Pac and Penta versus the Hardys, fucking sign me up. Darby Allen and Sting, which I think is obviously going to be the very is gonna be the see, first that, pay-per-view that, match. That, that's like super obvious, and I know that I know they're probably gonna do it. Mm. I think it's also it seems I like the 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 little moment with Jeff and Sting in the ring, with Jeff kind of just putting his hands together and bowing to Sting as just kind of like a show of respect because, of course... Sting having fucking vivid flashbacks. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he looked. Yeah, he literally was having Vietnam flashbacks. While just Darby there Allen... like, oh, no, not of this again. <laughs> well, while Darby Allen was, out, was looking... Right, almost, Jeff. <laughs> right, right, like, like, oh, almost, yeah, no, Darby like, Allen was like trying to stare into his soul. That Darby <laughs> Allen had to 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 pull out some weeb, some weeb crap was giving was giving like was giving uh, Hardy like you know Gasai Yandere looks. It was. <laughs> it really was. <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> Oh, man. You know, if you know what, if you, if you're listening and you know what I mean, you know exactly what I mean. <laughs> oh, man, no, it was, it's so good, man. It's just, it's good to see Jeff. It's, it's just good to see Jeff in general, but also seeing Jeff healthy. Because um, he looks, he looks, he looks so healthy and so happy. And as maybe as a way of him as well, he looks so energetic as a way of just saying, potentially saying F you to the WWE for the way they treated him. Fuck you. On his way out. So, no, yeah. It's, it's good to see Jeff. And I really hope he, I hope he's, I hope A, he's doing incredibly well. And B, that this is a, like, like a really good last hurrah for the Hardy boys. And that they do all the things that they really want to do before they, you know, they sail off into the sunset. Because mm-hmm. they deserve both Matt and Jeff deserve it. They yeah. absolutely deserve it, and they deserve to go out walking, <laughs> the yeah. healthy and happy. I can't all stress I that, that enough. All I want is that final. I uh, all I want is that retirement match between the two of them, and where I cry for twenty minutes. Yes, that's all I want. Not crying, not crying because it was bad, like WrestleMania twenty five. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 just, 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 just tears. Just nothing but tears. <laughs> oh, is there anything else, Dan? We've got on the news, or um, is I that mean, obviously, so we had Rampage as well. Oh, Isaiah Swerve Rampage, Scott yeah. or Swerve Realist, Swerve Scott, whatever, uh, debuting, which is hell yeah, debuting against Tony Nice. So that was that was like spicy. I maintain it. Swerve still has the potential of being like a like. Along with like Ricky Starks has that potential oh, of being yeah, a world class yeah, yeah. oh, main eventer. He he is so good, like just so 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 good. Can't wait till he has death match, until he has death matches in AEW. <laughs> yeah, un- unreasonably smooth with it, like yeah. just unreasonably. <laughs> um, 
and I just look forward to seeing more from him. And also, just because it's no, I want to put in uh, WWE 2K22 has been released, and it's an experience. I've only had like 20 minutes with it, but man, it feels bare bones. <laughs> as I expected, and I I am on record as having like expected. It, <laughs> like it, like it definitely isn't 2K20. But it certainly isn't. It's certainly, it's certainly, for the most part, as I've seen, mostly functional most of the time. That's what you would get. That's what you would kind of want to expect, but not give them points because that is something that is like default. Yeah, that's like the, that's for, like for the bare expectation of a game. <laughs> um, so like there are little bits of stuff like um, no, no advanced entrances. You just have to deal with what you get. Yeah, I mean they do have a slightly expanded amount of like non WWE ones. Interesting. You know that they, you know they're the ones that they like put under like different names. Yes, they had the Sage Strickland entrance before they even had <laughs> Isaiah Swift's. Yeah, bars. I remember that they called it Strickland the bastards. That's cheeky. That is. Yeah, so they they have they have like an expanded amount of those. Hmm. Interesting. Um. But yeah, it's like it just feels a little bit empty. Um and you know, like it's one of those things of like, you know, if you're gonna do something kind of basic, you really need to make sure you're doing it well. Yeah. And like, yeah, I'd say it looks pretty good. I thought it's pretty fun. I'm still having to kind of adjust to the different system they're using now. Mm-hmm. Which is more kind of like, you know. Almost a little bit more like beat em uppy. Interesting. Rather than like simulate. So, like, now you have light, like light strike and heavy strike on different buttons. Whereas before it was just hold down the button for a strong mm. one. And like that meant that, um, and like, so like B is now grapple and Irish whip. Hmm. Whereas before B was just uh, B or circle was just like freed up just for that. Interesting. So it's kind of changed a couple things here and there, but like I'm not necessarily against it. And I've got to say, for the most part, it looks pretty good. Mm. I just haven't had as much time to really get into and get down to working with everything mm. since. Hmm. Well, I'm kind of glad that I guess that I kind of kind of missed this one. I think more than anything, because I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be here and say that spending like sixty something quid on it on day of release was like a good idea by <laughs> me, but it certainly wasn't an awful investment. Are you looking forward to the DLC that has Logan Paul, Machine Gun Kelly, and I I wanna I wanna I want to buy the person who made the decision. To put Ronda Rousey in the clowning around DLC, I want to buy them a drink because that is fucking. Genius. Whoever did it was a inspired and b. I guarantee the only people using Logan Paul and MGK are going to be people who are clowning or who want to clown on people online. That's oh, true. Yeah, then uh... no one else is ever going to use them in any other situation. <laughs> it's just going to be there so you can say that you, that the person beat you while using Machine Gun Kelly. <laughs> that is like that is no true. one. No one else can be there. I, it's a thing we said before as well about like how one thing that's really cool that they you know they've brought back from something that was on like the original Xbox because you know 
which is you can use the licensed tracks on the song as your entrance theme, but there are all, mm. they're almost always either so heavily censored it makes no sense, <laughs> or um, you know, or or like the fact of you only get like eight songs to pick. Mm. It makes, and so that kind mm. of kills the variety that you're going to even get from having it. This makes me really interested to figure out, right? With such, uh, um, with such bare bones gameplay for a triple A game, and hearing about how kind of almost two K are dead on arrival because we now have heard that WWE are in uh, preliminary talks with EA <laughs> to, to produce the next to potentially produce the next game. I wonder yeah. how the wrestling code is going to be like when that eventually releases to like that as an independent developer. We know that the gameplay is probably not going to be as polished, but I wonder if people are going to gravitate to that because it might be more fun than I mean, 2K. The, 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 yeah. I think the major thing is, is that like, it, I, I know what 2K have tried to do, which is they've tried to like just steady the ship and put out something that is like, you know, good. Mm. Playable. You know. It's a, it, you know, it is it the greatest experience in the world? Probably not, but like, you know, it's still good. Mm. It's mm. probably like, you know, uh, anywhere from like a six at its worst to like an eight at its best. Mm. And that's the thing. Although I have heard good things about the My Rise mode, but again, I haven't started that yet. <laughs> um, and things like that. Um, and you know, I've heard other people say about the thing of like, there's like a my faction mode, which apparently is some something akin to like Ultimate Team, mm. but it's not online, and I don't know how it works. So interesting. I'll, I'll give it some thought, but um, yeah. So people have been saying about all of that, and of course, as well, the fact that you know, almost a whole big chunk of characters who are going to be in the game are being released in DLC over the course of months. Yeah, I think the uh, first one starts in a month's time, and then the last yeah. one is in July. Yeah, so that's also another thing, because I think there's like five... I think there's like five wrestlers in each pack, and there's like five packs, so that's 25 wrestlers off the roster. That's a lot more than usual. A lot so, more than usual. Um, you know, there's that there's that to account for as well. And of course there's anything they might decide to add during the course of updates and quality of life. True. Uh, I don't know what that will be or what that will look like. Um but whatever it is, you know, I'm I don't know that I'll be too mad at it. You know, I mean I hate DLC by principle anyway, so <laughs> true. <laughs> um you know, I I we'll think Kind of a, a remains to be seen, but you know, it's not it's not anything that's gonna blow your socks off, but it's not gonna be anything that's gonna necessarily disappoint you. <laughs> and from what I've heard in the actual game in the Thunderdome, uh Tony Pizza guy is on one of the screens <laughs> in the Thunderdome in the game. <laughs> I've heard Tony Pizza guy is in there. Because <laughs> of course he is. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, I'm kinda glad I missed that one, if I'm honest. Yeah. Um, kind of I mean, I'll, I'll I'll probably be there doing stuff with the guys over at UWP. So, you know, <laughs> you want anything like that? I'll stick with my Def. I'll st I'll be with Reed and I'll stick with No Mercy and Def Jam Vendetta. Hey, 
Yeah, no, I don't blame Fight for New York. Gotta go for Fight for New York, baby. I can't lie. I'll probably still be going back and playing 2K19, so... <laughs> oh, brilliant. So, with that, Dan, are we done with the news? Mm-hmm. We are done mm. with the news. Lovely stuff. Reardon, do you have anything for us at Recommendation Corner this week? I do, as a matter of fact. Shockingly, considering my schedule, but I do. <laughs> Guys, how do you feel about villains? They're great when Sometimes written perfectly. I even like them maybe even more than the heroes. Well, do I have a YouTube channel for you? <laughs> the Vile Eye is my recommendation. It is a series. Dude does a series, an exclusive series, at least so far, called Analyzing Evil, which is straight up just them analyzing a villain from various different mediums. You've got your Ganon, you've got Colonel Kurtz, you've got Michael Myers' house, Hans Lander, they've got loads. They are extraordinarily consistent at the time of this recording. <laughs> to go from Gadden to Captain Kurtz was a huge whiplash for me. <laughs> I know, I know, Colonel Kurtz, yeah. But no, they've got everyone. Uh, a personal favourite, because um, it's one of my favourite movies, analysing Antonio Salieri from Amadeus. Yeah, brilliant. Um, the most recent one at the time of this recording is Andrew Ryan from Bioshock. Great choice. Ooh. Yeah. The longest one so far, uh, just looking through the site, is Tony Soprano from The Sopranos. Yeah. And and Tywin Lannister, because I believe he is doing both the book and the show. So Okay, that probably explains it then. Yeah. So no, it's a really fun little thing analyzing what makes what makes some of the most vile villains the most vile. Also, a little public service announcement. <laughs> which is a definite re recommendation corner the first trailer for the final season of better call saul came out <laughs> which apparently at least on amc and amc plus i know that in uh in the lovely uk we get it i believe the day after that yeah. might change now on netflix but yeah uh monday april the 18th is apparently when the final season begins. I have been so excited for so long. I cannot emphasize enough. The way you're hyping it is, is, is did, did, did Bill Odenkirk decide to bring in his, his experience from nobody for the final oh, season? I mean, who knows? It's the final season. They say that it's not going to go the way we think. Uh, it's going to be nobody too, isn't it? turns out to be nobody too i won't be mad like legit like i heard a rumor going about that they're trying to make it like a super movie uh of john wick and nobody so they're gonna actually have keanu and bill odenkirk star in this thing or the characters bob odenkirk bob bob odenkirk, bob. i should say yeah um, uh, i i've watched the shit out of that that's incredible <laughs> but no, that is absolutely my recommendation corner. And if you have not watched Better Call Saul, you need to do that yeah, immediately. Yeah. Like, if I mean, if you have, if, if if you are a fan of Breaking Bad and you have not watched any Better Call Saul, you have no excuses in the fucking world. It is a masterpiece, 
dare I say, better than Breaking Bad itself. Hey, but that is I, a conversation that I'll we're going to I'll go on having. record as saying I've never watched Breaking Bad, but I have watched Better Call Saul. Really? Yep. Oh, that's fascinating. <laughs> Maybe it was, I think it was the, the too much hype uh, from a lot of people uh, really put me off Breaking Bad for the longest time. So much so that I even got put off from Better Call Saul. But then I thought just on a whim to watch it really like better call saul so My maybe inverted tv watching maybe, yeah. maybe i'll watch better call uh breaking bad maybe we'll see i i you i legitimately want to like hear your thoughts because you're yeah you've got to like i'm at the please at the end of the final season please start watching it because that's <laughs> going to be a very interesting experience because i was a first adopter of breaking bad i watched it when it started back when there was no back when there was like no hype and the hype was <laughs> yeah. <in the> building <laughs> because of malcolm in the middle so like yeah there, yeah there we go that's it i'm glad that someone actually came into it because of malcolm in yeah. the middle because brian oh. cranston fucking rules <laughs> you know what another recommendation malcolm in the middle oh <laughs> yeah <laughs> it leg legitimately every single modern sitcom Owes, owes its existence to Malcolm in the Middle. And it also it, comes into wrestling because in the opening sequence, we had Bret Hart doing the sharpshooter on a WCW Nitro see? in the title sequence. It all is all connected. It all but connects. That is my, that, there you go. Free recommendations. End to the Malcolm verse. <laughs> oh, man. See, cause, no, you can't do that because if we go enter the Malcolm verse, that, then we start getting into the monster verse, and that's when things go. Nuts. Right. Okay. But for the for the for the last uh, trip through this section, uh, it's Malcolm in the Middle, but uh, but featuring Malcolm Bivens. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I want to see that. Someone at Malcolm Bivens, please. What the fuck does that even look like? <laughs> I'll be honest. I think it just looks like Malcolm in the Middle. Like, exactly the same show, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Actually, no, I agree. Except it's just the family's just been replaced by WWE higher-ups. <laughs> Indeed, life isn't fair, especially when you're Malcolm Bivens. <laughs> it, that, too real, man. Like, yeah. <laughs> One more recommendation I have to add. It's a cheap pop for myself. Everyone, if you have not seen it, go watch the Myth of Jericho uh, that Joseph recently released. If you if I, if I say so myself, very, very good title sequence. When I have the time to actually watch it, I will be watching it, but I haven't had a moment to breathe nor think this week. <laughs> <laughs> Although people have seen the title sequence. I have had few people in my I DMs. have indeed seen the title sequence. <laughs> uh no that is all for recommendation corner but chap shall we get on to us getting very salty yes let us talk about our favorite dude we know you may know him under many names but in wwe we knew him as antonio cesardo or for some reason with vince's penchant for having single names cesaro <laughs> the only time where i actually think that's a good decision yes Yes, yes, remember, most Americans couldn't say O'Shaughnessy, so that's why they shortened it to Seamus when he came up. To be honest, I feel like, and, this, and Americans can get on me for saying this, but I feel like even sometimes I've heard Americans struggle with Seamus, so... <laughs> so, chaps, before we get into our, our, our just chatting away of why we love the man 
and why we're a little bit angry about what is, what what you know the certain decisions in his career from the booking team to the you know to the higher ups all in there let us start with a very very truncated version of a retrospective on Cesaro so I am not going to go in so much to Claudio Castagnoli because I kind of want to save that for another episode to kind of really go over Claudio's career because it's such an interesting way. Not only did he dis- when he discovered wrestling in Switzerland, but how he was able to come over to America to train and eventually get through the Indies, all of that great stuff. But we'll start in 2011. So after an amazing run in the Indies from t- 2009 to 2011, first with Shikara and his rivalry with Eddie Kingston and as a leader for the BDK, which... May I just say for his Chikara run, that Eddie Kingston rivalry never got settled. So I'm I'm so yeah. looking forward to the, potentially that rivalry ending now. We don't have any excuse. Like Claudio can go anywhere. I'm now. just cho- I'm just choosing to believe that just like for some in so- at some point that they they solve the disagreement between them, but also just a part of Eddie Kingston still just shoot hates him. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Which is Absolutely. why it's part of the reason why I fucking love that rivalry with those two. <laughs> and you know, we talked about that respect match in our Eddie Kingston yeah. Great Wrestlers we episode, did. which is we a did. love great match, great match. Also, in during this time, he was in Ring of Honor as one half of one of my personal favorite tag teams of all time, the Kings of Wrestling, with his trainer and longtime friend. Chris Hero, uh, who at that time, around that time, had the longest Ring of Honor tag title reign in the company's mm-hmm. history at 364 days. It was because of Hero and Castagnoli's tag team and the great matches they had in Ring of Honor that they caught the eye of one William Regal. And both were signed at the same time to a developmental contract with the WWE in September 2011. And they were assigned to Florida Championship Wrestling. I feel like we have to do an episode on FCW soon because it's a very interesting um, stopgap in the. It's a very important stopgap in WWE history. But the problem is, though, is that trying to find information about FCW feels bloody impossible at times. I guess in that sense, we should maybe we should do one like solely on WWE developmentals, so we can talk about like yeah. uh, Georgia Championship Wrestling, Heartland Wrestling Association, um, Smoky Mountain for a little yeah, bit. Yeah, well. absolutely. Like, absolutely. And then I, Florida I think, Championship. I, because there, like, there are like bits of FCW stuff like hidden around out there. Mm. Mm. And I'd love to, I'd love to do a proper deep dive on FCW. But then it's like even WWE doesn't want to acknowledge its existence anymore. Which is like, it's crazy. Like you have that footage. Why not put it on the network? You have Smoky Mountain on the network because they have they they straight up have like six FCW matches on the network. Yeah, and they're all from members of the Shield nuts it's nuts we'll definitely save that in the back burner we'll definitely do like a wwe developmentals one because i know they have a lot of heartland wrestling association uh matches up on on youtube as well as a couple of um i think they do have a couple what was the one um i can't remember the name uh not ovw but it was the one that kenny omega was a part of Deep South? Deep South. I know they have a lot of Deep South on uh, YouTube as well. Because it'd be interesting to watch a young Kitty Omega going up against Heath Slater. 
<laughs> what a vision. <laughs> but anyway, uh, Castagnoli and Hero were signed was signed to FCW and he would make his and Castagnoli would make his TV debut under the new name Antonio Cesaro on the October 24th episode of FCW defeating Mike Dalton who would become the future Tyler Breeze oh my oh, god Mike uh, a fun fact about this as we all know uh, Castagnoli yep. is a huge fan of James Bond yes yes and he requested when he uh, when he was assigned to FCW to come out to Dean Malenko's James Bond esque theme song. I mean, like it's not a bad choice though. It, not a bad choice at all. <laughs> like, like as it goes, it's not it's not that bad. And also, it's a throwback to Dean Malenko, which is just goaded. So exactly. Oh yeah. Uh, but the decision was made that the Kings of Wrestling would be split, and Cesaro would have his own singles career, and Hero once again. Mm. WWE and their hatred of tag teams. Yes, and Hero as Cassius Ono would 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 uh, fleet flitter between tag with with like tag alliances and singles uh, matches here, there, and and everywhere. Uh, the most noted rivalry during Cesaro's uh, time in FCW would actually be with Richie Steamboat, where both fought for the mm. FCW 15 Championship. I've managed to track down a clip or two, not full matches. Really good matches, both Cesaro and Steamboat I mean, there's had. what I mean, like it's a whole separate thing as well. But like Richie Steamboat was really good. Whose career was unfortunately you know, cut you know, short. Unfortunately, it was cut short because he would have been because re- honestly, I think if he had, if he had if his career wasn't cut so short, I think he would have been fucking goated along with his dad in the, if he was called when he was called up to oh, the yeah. main roster. So he won't. He did not spend very long. In FCW because I wonder why. <laughs> because uh, for, as I said, debuted in 2011 in FCW uh, in October in 20 uh, 2011 and in 2012 in April the 20th of April uh, 2012 he would make his main roster debut on SmackDown in a backstage segment actually with Teddy Long and uh, Oksana. <laughs> like as real quick, how long was Teddy Long in SmackDown for? Because oh, the idea of it six to I think two thousand and six to twenty twelve. I because the idea of him like he belongs in the two thousands. So the idea of him lasting. Oh until... no no he survived like way beyond that. That's incredible. That's incredible. I I legitimately thought he was gone in like two thousand and nine. No, 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 he lasted. He lasted a long time. The only reason he left was because the whole Johnny Ace People Power merging Raw and SmackDown together. Yeah, he he was he was there up until like what 2014? 2014, Yep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so in that backstage segment, he asked for a contract from Teddy Long, which he refused, but then was granted by John Laurinaitis, and he would make his in-ring debut. The next week against Tyson Kidd in a very convincing, uh, in very convincing fashion. Great match, great debut match, if you ask me. Mm-hmm. Although it's weird that Oksana would be aligned with Cesaro. Uh, no, that no, no, you're forgetting WWE law. Oh yeah, European are you people. from? Are you from a certain region of the world that's not America? You go with the other person that's from your same region as you. Yeah. That is true. If you are European, you go with the other European, regardless of any kind of relation that they might have to each other. <laughs> Welcome to known. the mid card. It is known. 
It is known. <laughs> so soon after that, he'd be quickly inserted into the US title picture uh, against champion Santino Morella and would win. Oh, and I also use this to acknowledge Go. my the 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 random fact that they always used to put out, which was that apparently apparently Cesaro was a rugby player who was too violent for the sport. Uh, may I add which, that Cesaro played a, which rugby is, when which he was is a, a kid. real Which is a real angle they tried to push. Yes, that's why he wore the um the fight yeah, tape. The, yeah. Yeah. Uh, when he started out, for some again only because he played rugby when he was a kid. <laughs> I hate to be that guy, but I feel like that's just like most Europeans. <laughs> yeah, like I played yeah. rugby. As yeah, I, I played, played rugby. rugby. <laughs> like, like he is too violent for the sport, and I'm like, have you seen a rugby match? <laughs> There's no such thing as being too violent in rugby. I'm sorry. I'm like, yeah, there's big guys crashing into each other, but they all follow the code of honor. So it is true, they do. So come summer twenty, uh, summer slam twenty twelve, uh, on the pre-show, my I add, Cesaro would win the US title. A, yeah, I know. But a, this was the twenty tens. Like this there was no true. laws. So he would actually have a, quite a long reign with the title, which saw him have matches with Zack Ryder, Justin Gabriel. Tyson Kidd. He had a couple of good matches with R Truth. Yep, really, he did. I don't believe you, but Wade Barrett. True. He had a match with no. Carly, which saw him, you know, show off his immense strength to the audience. Oh, that's when that's he did what... the giant swing to him, wasn't it? And the yeah. massive neutralizer. Um, again, which kind of got him over was the first thing that got him really over with the fans. Uh he had a ma- good matches with the Miz. And then eventually to the person who would beat him for the title, Kofi Kingston. He also, may I had, had a, a massive sleeper hit uh, defending the US title on the newly christened NXT going up against mm-hmm. Adrian Neville. It was a fantastic match if you can try and find it. It's a great match between those two. So, come May, 20, uh, around May 2013, he would feud uh, with Sami Zayn in NXT... Uh, which ended up becoming some of the greatest matches in NX in NXT short. Oh yeah, that they time. are so good. Uh, just those two had such an incredible chemistry with one another, which again comes from years of both Generico and Castagnoli touring the Indies Eating together. The hell out of each other. <laughs> and from and so from this time of 2013-14, Cesaro would jump. Uh, between the main roster and NXT, having you know have those great matches with Sami Zayn, having some having uh, title opportunities against Bo Dallas for the NXT title, and at this time he would have a tag team uh, with Jack Swagger and Zeb Coulter, known as the Real Americans. Which again, the irony is not lost on me that a Swiss person would be part of a tag team called the Real I mean, Americans and have the "Don't Tread on Me" flag. <laughs> I mean, I mean that was part of the part of the joke. I know that much. They are not that unaware. It's so strange. Uh, <laughs> they did, didn't they push the angle of like, oh, he's he's not like he's Swiss, but he's more American than most of the other people in this arena or yes. whatever. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> so come the uh, late 2014, when these guys are having matches against primetime players, uh, they would have you know. Mar- uh, Santino Morello, Great Carly, Los Matadores, Cody Rhodes in Gold Dust. Uh, again, the tag division was great at this time, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, during a November 18th episode of Raw in Nashville, Tennessee, 
they say on the article a fan, but we know it's those lovely boys over at What a Maneuver. Shout out to What a Maneuver. You guys mm-hmm. do amazing work. Printed out signs, simple black and white signs, and threw them and gave them to fans. And thus was born the Cesaro section. See, now part of me loves it, and part of me also hates it. <laughs> Can you guess why? Because fucking WWE then took advantage of it. Not even that. Go on. There's something about the words Cesaro section that sits wrong in my brain. (laughs) Hmm. And I think you can guess why. Yes. Yes, I can. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, This is a curse I have lived with for years. And people think I'm insane. And and they are correct. And now you have infected me with that thought. Oh, okay. This is what I mean. And the Mm. thing is, it's completely unintentional. And it is my brain just being weird. And I'm like, why must my brain be like this? Because Cesaro section is great for, like, if you have a group of fans. (laughs) Oh, god damn it. Also, may I just say that What Culture Wrestling exploited the hell out of this when they had, like, oh, the Suzaro section, which I thought, I went on, I am on record as saying that sounds so fucking stupid, but the CEO, but the CEO <laughs> of the company was like, oh, no, 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 we need to push Susie, so we'll push it with a Cesaro thing. I was like, shut up. You know the worst part about it is, that sounds forced. It really was really? forced. I can't begin to tell you. Susie, by the way, Susie, awesome person, by the way. I only kind of had fleeting contact with Susie. She's awesome. But still, they did not help themselves by calling it the Suzaro section. Anyway, may I just say, come early 2014, Suzaro uh, had a great little uh, debut of the Royal Rumble match, entering at 21, uh, eliminating a couple of people, but was eventually eliminated by Roman Reigns. Um, 27th of February would see him have a final amazing match at NXT arrival against Sami Zayn. Mm-hmm. And then we get to WrestleMania 30, the debut of the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. Um, actually, no, it would have been actually, I believe it was after, actually, because the pre-show, he was actually in a tag match, I believe. Yeah. A four-way tag match. Uh, and actually, after that, Cesaro was a surprise entrant in the Memorial Battle Royal. That's the way. There we go. I got my dates mixed up the way I noted this down. He was a surprise entrant, and of course he would go on to win it by emulating the big Andre the Giant Hogan spot by scoop slamming Big Show over the top rope and winning the match to, may I add, a humongous ovation from that audience that is only equaled by Daniel Bryan winning the title that very same night. Yeah, you're right. Actually. It's almost like that sign of being like, because like again, one of the things with Cesaro is that he seems ungodly strong for a man of his build. Yes. Yeah, yeah. There's a reason he's called Swiss Superman because like, he, it, like he his looks... actual his his strength level in proportion to how his body looks seems unreal because <laughs> he is because he is mad lean. Madeline, yeah. but God, the strength on that dude is insane. But, like, he must have the core strength of I don't even know what. Like, <laughs> he has the core strength of like six normal men. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, so. Of course, this brings up the King of Swing and his amazing, you know, push being uh, aligned with Paul Heyman, having try, you know, having a program with um, 
uh, for the Intercontinental Championship and a couple of matches with Rob Van Dam. Uh, ended up being that, you know, when he got to that uh, partnership with Paul Heyman, he would end up turning heel and was told to stop using the swing because it popped the crowds, to which I say was a stupid decision on the creative's part. I can understand that they were trying, oh, he's a heel, so he needs to be heelish, but dude, you're taking away one of Cesaro's most kind of like iconic moves in his arsenal. And I think even as a heel, it still would have been effective. I just, I... <laughs> I we'll, we'll get to it. And of course, this leads into his his partnership with Tyson Kidd in, pursuit, in 2015 in the pursuit of the WWE Tag Championships. I loved Kidd and Cesaro as a tag team. I I adored those two as a tag team. I do remember them being very, very good at what they did. Like the the, the combination really of speed well. and strength. I remember the swing drop kick combo, which of course was a throwback to the Kings of Wrestling, which I have really appreciated that they kind of adopted that and like it was like Tyson Kidd was giving a nod to Chris Hero with that. Mm-hmm. I loved that that they 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 used that as their tag finisher. Of course, they would capture the tag titles in very convincing fashion. But unfortunately, it was uh, cut short due to Tyson Kidd having a, a career-threatening injury um, in um, in a dark match, which saw Samoa Joe hit the muscle buster um, on Tyson Kidd and have a horrible neck injury. And may I add as well, uh, the muscle buster, one of the, again, one of the most kind of safest moves in wrestling, but it's, again, it's one of those things where, you know, a one in a thousand incidents where it happens. No one's to blame for that. And again, yeah, Tyson no, Kidd it was just no a straight holds... up freak accident. Yeah, and Tyson Kidd, from what I heard, TJ holds no ill will against Joe for that. Just... And which, mm. you know, respect the man for that because there could have been a lot of people that probably would have buried the hell out of Joe for doing that. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> but no, and then, of course, we get to, the, uh, the, to, to, to his 2016, again, adopting his love of James Bond to his, like, the Swiss Superman entrance getting super over with the crowd. If I remember rightly, mm-hmm. it was 2016. The night after WrestleMania, they had that four-way match to determine the number one contender for the WWE Championship. And, uh, of course, Cesaro was a, a surprise return on that one. And he ended up, um, after an injury, I believe he had, because it, it was a torn rotator cuff injury that he had um, in 2015. And he came back from a from a huge surprise the day after WrestleMania. I believe it would have been, it was, originally it was supposed to be Owen, Sami Zayn, AJ Styles and Chris Jericho, but Sami Zayn was written out and Cesaro came in as a surprise entrant to a monstrous pop. To a monstrous pop. Again, Mania crowds the day after when they still have like English fans, UK fans and international fans there who are much louder than US fans, may I just go on record mm-hmm. and say. Just straight up, straight up, just, it's, it's like two decibels higher. <laughs> they Something popped huge for Cesaro coming out. And again, I loved it. I loved the James Bond entrance. I'm not going to lie. Just the ripping the suit off and then just like doing, oh, just, I love it. I'm sorry. I just love that. <laughs> and of course, this brings in, of course, during that time, he would go after the Intercontinental Championship, try once again with the World Championship, and then eventually would end up having a rivalry with Sheamus, and then end up having a best of six match. We'd eventually see us having the bar, which honestly, 
I wasn't 100% sure at the beginning, but they won me over very quickly. Both Cesaro and Sheamus won me over with the oh, bar. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, my problems with the bar is not with the bar. Yes, it's, correct. It's, it's straight up. It's straight up my opinion. Yeah. Like, it's the, it's, it's who I feel for the bar. It's who they had at that time to go up against them on Raw. Which mm-hmm. they weren't. There weren't a lot of tag teams. They were kind of a lot of hastily put together tag teams that they had to go up against. Uh, I think the only tag team really that they had any sort of kind of really good tag team like chemistry with was the Hardys, the returning Hardy Boys. Mm-hmm. Um, which of course you know when they returned at WrestleMania 33, they had that insane four team ladder match for the tag titles. <laughs> absolute madness and of course i guess the 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 worst part of this is kind of when their last tag title run uh would have been their next wrestlemania when um uh when they went up against braun Strowman and nicholas yeah a moment that i enjoyed in the moment and now it's just i know (laughs) it's just it's so bad it's so bad. Like I, it's one of those things of like, yeah, like I guess, but like, did you have to? Yeah. Mm. And of course, that ends up with them getting a, a drafted to SmackDown. They would have a rivalry with Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt. They would go. Uh, they would have a couple of tag matches with AOP, who were Raw Tag Champions at the time. And eventually, they would lose. Uh, they. They would win the tag titles against the Usos, but then lose at Royal Rumble 2019 against The Miz and Shane McMahon. Because of Uh, course. Eventually, uh, both Cesaro and Sheamus would be drafted to different shows. Cesaro would be drafted to Raw and Sheamus would stay on SmackDown, thus bringing an end to the bar. And then we would have the Artist Collective, if you remember the team of Sami Zayn, Cesaro and Shinsuke Nakamura at the late end of 2019, beginning of 2020. Yeah, like it existed but then like also didn't exist at the same time in my memory. Mm-hmm. During this time in 2019 as well, let's not forget that uh, oh, Cesaro would have an amazing match at NXT TakeOver Cardiff against Ilya Dragunov. <laughs> Yeah, it's brilliant. Uh, Cesaro would then be on the uh, on the uh, had his sights set on beating the ever loving shit out of Mansoor <laughs> whenever he had the chance. To... <laughs> I don't know what that was. The house show loop circuit was just Cesaro kicking the ever loving crap out of Mansoor, <laughs> which again, New Legacy made an effort and made a concerted effort to take the piss out of Manny for that. <laughs> I mean. At that point, it might just have been a, you know what? Why not? I'm going. To, I'm just going to beat this man up. <laughs> of course, again, that would see Mansoor actually win against Cesaro at Crown yeah. Jewel. Um, then we would, of course, have uh, the Artist Collective and Cesaro having a bit of a rivalry with Drew Gulak. As a matter of fact, at WrestleMania 36 on the pre-show, the kickoff show, Cesaro would have actually quite yeah. a very good match against Drew Gulak. Like. Cesaro versus Drew Gulak is just like a recipe for such a good match. It's just a thing if they never got the time. It's such a shame that I'm glossing over the fact that Cesaro and Shinsuke Nakamura were a tag team. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, but like there's not really much to remember other than them winning the tag. They won the tag titles at like T 
TLC. The the horror show at Extreme Rules. <laughs> horror show Extreme Rules. The fucking like, horror show. Remember how oh, he was so confused, but they were calling out the horror show at Extreme Rules. That was, yeah. <laughs> that was years ago, but it just seems like only yesterday we were moaning about that. <laughs> like... Because I'm, I'm, I just, I, I remember that, I remember that bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, of course, some of the final feuds, uh, Cesaro, uh, and Nakamura would disband, and both of them would quietly turn face. And this was the time that we were starting to hear rumors that Cesaro's contract was going up, and of course that would lead to Cesaro having a, a kind of a mini push, being aligned with Daniel Bryan uh, and having yeah. great matches. Uh, with one another, and then after showing a sign of respect after those matches, Cesaro would officially become face, and he would end up, of course, having that really impassioned, uh, I wouldn't even say shoot uh, promo, but just just kind of like a sp- like this inspirational speech of of this guy mm-hmm. of of Cesaro just pouring his heart out and saying he belongs here and he belongs and he wants to be world champion and has everything in his arsenal to become world champion um and then of course we heard that he had re-signed but again we thought of course we all thought that he had signed for a three-year extended deal but we'll get to (laughs) get to the end of that eventually of course cesaro would start a a rivalry with seth rollins which would end up with a a a tremendous match at wrestlemania 37 to which again the crowd hugely popped for Cesaro as he got his amazing WrestleMania moment. And when he won, I've never seen a man look so damn happy and a crowd look so hyped for a man winning. Quite like when Cesaro won against Rollins. (laughs) This also led, of course, to the uh, uh, Cesaro going up against Roman Reigns for the Universal Championship at WrestleMania Backlash, but was uh, comfortably defeated. Of course, again, this would also... uh, continue the rivalry between Cesaro and Rollins I will give my opinions on Cesaro being champion with this with Roman Reigns when we get to it I'll get to my feelings on that and of course his final rivalry would be ending up having a a couple of matches with Seth Rollins uh, King of the Ring opportunities losing to Finn Balor in the first round and then would go and then have a brief feud with Sheamus and his protege Ridge Holland and then eventually being defeated by Happy Corbin in what would be his last televised match in WWE. Of course, on uh, uh, February 24th, 2022, Cesaro quietly left the WWE, letting his contract expire on a one-year deal and thus ending his 11-year tenure in WWE. Now... Why do we love Cesaro so freaking much, guys? As everyone, every single wrestling fan does. <laughs> I, I honest, that's almost a stupid question. He's Cesaro. He has, yeah, he just sake. has. It's fucking Cesaro. He has everything. Honestly, his his wrestling style, I love so so much. His his like explosive strength combined with a classic European grappling catch style is mm-hmm. something to behold. The fact what I love as well is uh, is that he's able purely on that alone to have been able to have so much charisma. Charisma that is uh, that is seldom 
few among a lot of wrestlers nowadays. It like the thing about Cesaro is that he is a jack of all trades in the best way. Dude can do everything and everything at a very reasonable level. Yeah. But that combined with his charisma and just his look, he's just got a very it's such a simple yet effective look. He's built from he's 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 chiseled from granite, I swear. That dude, like for him and Timothy Thatcher are the sort of guys that you go, those guys are built from granite and are brick shit houses. Yeah. <laughs> They've not yeah. got an ounce of fat on them. Ah, <laughs> oh, again. The thing about Cesaro as well, I think a lot of people don't. I've seen a lot of the, the discourse when he was, um, when he, you know, quietly exited WWE. Is that, oh, the reason why he wasn't pushed so much is that he can't do a promo. I beg to differ. That's bollocks. I mean, he's so, really like, good on the mic. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so for me, I think the thing that really draws me to Cesaro is obviously I am a big technical wrestling guy, and obviously mm. Cesaro is very, very good at that. But I am. Um, I think the biggest thing is that Cesaro just really brings something that you can't really get in many other people, mm. which is both a stunning sense of just his power, yeah, and also the range of moves he does. Because let, let's not take away from how fucking athletic that man is. Yes, um, <laughs> and like live, let's live happily in the era of like the Cesaro like twenty seventeen hot tag. Oh, that when he's hot just launching him, when he's just launching himself across the ring. That is one of the um, best hot tags in WWE history. But um, I think the biggest thing I find about Cesaro is he has. It's not really a thing that's spoken about in wrestling as much, although it really should be. It's spoken more about in like film and theater. Uh, physical charisma, mm, yes, same presence. which is just that like the way he does stuff gives a certain vibe to him. I feel he has a, he has hmm. a he has a very certain kind of um it's both a, it's kind of a weird combination of like effortlessness but also you can kind of tell how much fun he's having mm. Who? plus also a kind of like uh it's almost you know he's I feel like he's quite good at like telling what he wants just through the way he does stuff yeah. Who would have thought that a man who a simple move such as a, a belly to back mat slam would seem like one of the most incredible feats of strength ever? Like, because say what you will. I love the Ricola bomb. I love that. It was yes. one of my favorite finishing moves back in the indies. But the gotch neutralizer is such like it's like if you had to if he had to change his move i'm so glad he changed it to the gotch neutralizer i think the thing is is that i in in a lot of ways i kind of don't like the neutralizer <laughs> but like i think for i think the thing is is that it serves the exact purpose that it should mm-hmm. yeah which is that thing of like it looks like he's manhandling them as a wwe finishing move for cesaro it works. Like, like the fi- like the thing is, I look at it and I'm like, eh, I, I don't really like it. But like, I understand. But then again, yeah. let's be honest. His second finishing move, the very European uppercut, is a See, much that, more iconic move. That is fucking art. I love, just, I love the very European. The fact that he's able fun. to do that to 
not only the, the the you know the more smaller agile guys but even to the more heavier heftier guys to throw them up and then do the uppercut yeah. <laughs> holy crap it is genuinely an insane feat of strength to do it's nuts it's so nuts and i say the man is the man has more charisma than we think. The some looking back, where I was just kind of just trying to go back and remembering some of the like the backstage vignettes and promos of Cesaro, some of the bar promos, he is really entertaining. Like he and Sheamus were really entertaining. Like the the little challenges and jibes those two would have during their like the best of six series, which would see them. I think one promo was them in a bar. And then they would end up having a barroom brawl. It's just Cesaro being cool as fuck the entire time. Dude, it's that it's that effortlessness that is so typical of like certain aspects of European culture. Because mm. mm. I normally associate it with it being an Italian thing, but then again, that's because I have Italian family. <laughs> Which is this thing of like, yes, this is incredibly easy to me. I don't know why it would be any difference. And also, I guess with this, when we're talking about why we love Cesaro, we're talking about his physical and his physical charisma as well as kind of just his, his verbal charisma. I wager a guess to anyone the, the giant swing will always go over, but the way that Cesaro incorporates the giant swing into his moveset, I just think took him to another level. Oh, it's yeah. just, it's like, look, we all love a good giant swing. Mm -hmm. Especially me, a big Joshi guy. <laughs> where the giant swing is like culture. But like, the thing with Cesaro is obviously how long he does it for. Yes. Yeah. The fact that he can seemingly do it to anyone. Yes. Great Carly, eat your heart once, out. Once you, once you can do it to the Great Carly, you can literally just do it to any person. And then like, everything else that goes with it. Because like, it's worth saying, right, in the lore of Cesaro, dude, I fucking love the UFO. <laughs> Oh, the UFO. The I, UFO is I, so fucking good. The, I know that, like, in terms of wrestling psychology, it means jack shit, but I do not care. It looks fucking cool, and that's all that matters to me. And the fact he can do it no-handed is that, that yeah. you you are a madman. You are yeah. built different you could do the no-handed UFO. Like, what? I remember seeing that and being like, what is this nonsense? <laughs> So I guess with this, guys, I want to kind of actually, I'll, I'll, I'll throw names out, right? <clears throat> Jim Ross, Mick Foley, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Brian Danielson, Dave Finlay, William Regal, Bruno San Martino for a little bit, Ric Flair. All of these men share a common thought. Cesaro is a guy you need to push. So, with that, how the fuck did WWE drop the ball on him so many times? Okay. I'm going to take the stand here. Because <laughs> this, this falls into a bigger discussion that I have all the time. <laughs> the reason Cesaro fell through the cracks of WWE is because over the last, we'll say, 20 years, 
WWE has created a very prescribed culture of what it perceives to be a good wrestler. And the problem is, and I'm, this is going to make sense in the end, which is that you have those people that say, oh, Cesaro can't cut a good promo. The reason for that, though, is because WWE has, in a way, almost intentionally, developed a very specific way of cutting, of doing promos. And the problem is, is that Cesaro doesn't fit that mold. Mm. And because he doesn't fit that particular mold of what a good babyface promo is, it's given WWE this belief that he can't fit that role. I will go on a... And, and because, because we've ended up in this point, you have all these wrestlers that present themselves in a babyface manner in different ways than the prescribed and understood way that WWE wants, mm. that they get lost because they don't quite fit this particular character profile which has been created. Yeah. I feel like a lot of that, I'm uh, well, part in part, I feel Dwayne has to kind of be blamed for that. As to why yeah. WWE go to a certain no, style the of thing, promo. The thing, is, the thing is, though, I don't even necessarily blame Dwayne for it. No, no, no. Because no. the thing is, right, is that it's not like they want people to copy Dwayne. Mm. <clears throat> this might sound. This <laughs> might sound. I admit, I was basically. basically, I, basically I, admit I was side eyeing you there a little bit. Dan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, admit, I admit, I was kind of like, "Are you sure about that?" My, my <laughs> the thing I'm going to blame, and this is going to sound really, really weird, okay. is just the 2010s suffering yeah, suck attack. And what I'm what I'm going to blame. <laughs> is WWE's move to try and become an online first company. Oh, he sounded like Vinnie Russo now. <laughs> oh, no. oh, this is this is fascinating. All right, keep going, keep going. And it's this. WWE has almost functionally become reliant on people having lines and sayings that get over. I remember, WWE mm. needs them. I remember the big social they, media push. Because they because they need because they realized they needed moments. They realized they needed things. Yeah. Because let's think about it like this, right? Becky Lynch. Yeah. How long has the man gone on? That, mm. Good three, four good four years now at this point. Three, four years? Like, yeah, and 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 here and here's the thing, though, right? We talk about Cesaro, and we talk about all his brilliant things, but you realize that they don't fit that mold. Yeah, yeah. He's we a... we 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 love Cesaro because we just see him do cool stuff, mm. and the problem is that I think with the kind of culture that W is cultivated. You have people going, oh, well, that's not enough because he can't cut a good promo that I think is a good promo, which is a very specific kind of promo. God. Without realizing that, like, you know, a face can be more than just either 
Daniel Bryan underdog or guy people like. Or Roman Reigns going suffering succotash. Yeah. <laughs> oh, if I find yeah. the if I find the guy in creative who gave him that script. <laughs> oh, that guy's fired. That guy isn't. Uh, I'm, I'm going to give him oh, a no. piece of my mind. I know who I know who that guy is, and I'm almost certain it was Vince McMahon himself. I was going to say I don't blame Freddie Prince Jr. because I don't think he was around at that time. No, I I absolutely believe that Suffering Succotash was Vince. <laughs> I refuse to believe anyone else would ever use that sentence. <laughs> but um, I, I think you're, you are right there. Because I think if... if I'll say this. If Cesaro was around at the time of your Nick Bockwinkles, the guy who was very kind of like a very kind of like speechifying kind of guy who would use a lot of intelligent words as a way to kind of be that heelish character that was like, oh, I'm better than all of you because I read a thesaurus. Those guys that had those really kind of not intense promos, but those guys that had those promos that you would you listen to. Back I mean, the in thing those is, days, right, is he, I wouldn't I even be, I wouldn't be there and say that you know he's a bad promo because I feel like you can look at like the BDK stuff. Oh, he was great in BDK, and be and be, and be pretty convinced that he can do it. He can do a good promo. Mm-hmm. It's just that again, I think he just doesn't fit that kind of yeah mold but the thing is though is that that was never his thing exactly no. you supported him because you'd be there and you'd see him come up against someone who was like you know sorry a big guy he's like six five yeah um and you know strong as anything but you'd see him come up against guys and then just like throw them around into, like they were nothing <laughs> turn turn into superman yeah it's a funny thing his side because of his leanness he he's a Tall dude, but he doesn't look like a big dude, which means that every it, 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 it might sound weird. He almost has the build of a basketball player. Yeah, mm. yeah, I'd agree with that. He but like, yeah. like that's the thing, though. It, he he, so much of what he and also again, I think part of it may come down to having been in and around because, like, for for us, we can absolutely tell why in in his earlier career cesaro was just huge in europe yes yes because if there's one thing we love it's not even a person that can talk really well it's just someone that does really cool stuff why do you think brett was so over in europe (laughs) whenever they did house shows that's what i mean though like (laughs) it it, it fully makes sense as to why us in the us in the uk and in europe love him even beyond the fact that he's a european wrestler so we immediately back him Mm. saying that now makes me realize i wonder if vince had a very similar feeling of thoughts to cesaro as he did with brett is that brett is an incredibly smart for his own good (laughs) exactly because i remember there's one thing there was a clip i remember when vince was on commentary of jim ross saying brett hart's the best wrestler and talking about who is better brett or sean and when jim ross says brett's the better wrestler vince just looks at him like are you fucking about to why i disagree with you i think sean's the greatest person who's ever lived I feel like he's. Ha- I think he has very similar, so many similar thoughts, maybe, to a guy who's so technically gifted and so over, but he's not what you're. That's not what who who you want. I. So okay, I think it's my turn to take a stand here. <laughs> Before, like, I legitimately think Cesaro might be WWE's most missed opportunity. We 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 made a lot of hay with Keith Lee. But the difference is time. 
11 years to yeah. put the belt on him. 11 no, years. Like, of... like, the thing is, though, right? I know people are going to be there and be like, oh, he, was, he wasn't material or whatever, right? Bro, we're talking about WWE in the 2010s here. <laughs> Like, like yes, yes, there were people, there were good people who, who were around and who were doing stuff. But like, come on, like 2015 to like 2018. Yeah. Yes. That was there is mm, there was I, no there, there could have been something there. Hell, even early 2010s. There is nothing. There's no. I'm like. I'm sorry. There's no reason why he didn't get a spot. There's no reason. There's none. He's. It, like he, it should have happened. Like, like when you. It's got... just like it's it's at this point it's like even more than Keith Lee, where you you could make an argument a poor argument but an argument nonetheless <laughs> that it was that it was just too early poor argument but yeah, <laughs> the sheer amount of time, him, never being like always being over always. For the whole, the entire 11 years, there was not a single time where he wasn't over. The closest was the, his time at the bar. And even then, like, it wasn't like, it wasn't like, if there was no X-Park heat on him. Mm. There's no, there's no reason not to do it. Everyone can see it. Everyone with eyes can see it. Some of the best people in your company can see it. The fans love it. The, the, the locker room loves it. There's no reason it, when you've to not Steve do it. Steve Austin and Ric Flair and Mick Foley saying that you're you, you, the same. Yeah, you like, are messing again, up. I'm, big time. I'm saying I am saying that 2015, that 2015 to 2018 spread. Mm. You, you it, probably could have fit him in as champion there. Yeah, yeah. That that I would agree with that. And I'm just like, and then when you come into the wise. I, to be honest, Dan, you're the closest. You're the closest person to explaining it because I've never understood. <laughs> you, you, like your your explanation, I'm just gonna go. You know what? Yeah, that's the explanation because there is no other explanation. Mm. There's none. He's exactly what they keep. The frustrating thing about Cesaro is that it really puts paid to this idea. Even like even the guys that. Vince McMahon and all the rest of the like creatives say that they want they've squandered those guys when they get them it's it's that mm. thing of Cesaro has everything that you could ever want in a wrestler but not what WWE wants in a wrestler yeah <laughs> and <laughs> and I say and I say this and I, I, I maintain that 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 kind of credo almost is becoming more and more obvious as years go on. Yeah, but it's kind of like, but even for Cesaro, I'm kind of like, yeah, but is it just like a failure of imagination here? Because it's like, like to be frank, like if you like what you you were afraid that Cesaro wasn't going to be able to go on talk shows for God's sake, he's Cesaro. He would have been fine. He would have been Every, one of the most he'd, charismatic. He'd have, he'd have rolled up looking like. MF James Bond. Yes. Yeah. He would have been it, one of the most suave people to be on those talks like representing your are, company. Very there are very few other people that I'd be there and be like, you know what? Like I'd rather have him on there. So you know, like your John Cena's, your Big E's, your Kofi Kingston's. Yeah. 
but like it's we're like, talking about but again though we're talking about people here that have just really good natural charisma like the dude was so charismatic when he was merely a guest analyst during the i think it was the north american league of legends championships because he's because again a, another thing that i just blows my mind about him not only is he a lover of james bond not only is he a lover of video games not only is he a lover he loves he religiously plays league of legends <laughs> he just this man becomes more awesome the more we know about him <laughs> yeah but it's just like it it, it really does boggle the mind because even with your what you're saying dan I'm kind of like, but really? What do you want here? What? No, no, but no, but that's that's the thing. It's want? it's it's a very specific kind of person. Yeah. And like again, part of it is also that thing of the nature of what you get when you tailor a product so heavily to a particular audience because and again, this is like a whole separate sidetrack discussion. Yeah. But uh, it echoes a tweet that I saw recently. I, I really wish I could remember the person that did it, which is wrestling fans talk about the casual fan the same way US politicians talk about factory workers in the Midwest. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, sure. Oh. Which, oh, is, like, which is like there's some incredible being that like both does and doesn't exist at the same time. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Oh god! And so you can yeah. be there and through the thing of like, oh well, the casual fan won't like Cesaro, which a I disagree with fervently anyway. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. The, like the casual fan will go, ha ha, man, go swing. Like, yeah, yeah that's exactly. what I mean. They're, they're just gonna see this guy, you know. Like, I don't know. Let's just say if you were, let's just say you were booking Cesaro versus Brock Lesnar. Right, and you're there, and like your casual fan goes there because they want to see Brock Lesnar. Then they're gonna go there. They're gonna see Brock Lesnar get swung from, by, swung by his ankles, <laughs> by this six foot five man who looks like he doesn't hold a candle to him. <laughs> what is there not to love? Watch as Brock Lesnar's face gets more and more purple with each subsequent sweat. <laughs> that's what I mean. Like that. That. That's that's literally what it is. Yeah. You know, and and but like I said, so that they talk about like this thing of like, oh, the casual fan, the casual fan, my guy, like he, he, a million he... or so people tune in for Raw. Mm. I can't imagine there exactly much of that million is changing each week. <laughs> and besides, I know a couple of fans, friends of mine who are casual fans, and they all share the sentiment of Cesaro's awesome. Why isn't he in the main event? I mean, I, I mean, again, separate discussion about how WWE's used technical wrestling now compared to before. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. About how Brett and Kurt were like mainline super... Well, we should say Brett was a mainline superstar whose main focus was his wrestling over anything else. And then now you look at like Chad Gable and you're like, oh, yeah, tag division. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <sighs> Damn. <laughs> but like you know it, i i i think I, I mean again in a lot of cases cesaro is a symptom of a larger problem <laughs> just 
he's just a very very clear example mm. like he if if we if we were talking about wrestling in the context of like you know historical learning he is the one that is in all the textbooks <laughs> yeah. about like hey don't do this this is where this is where things started to go wrong and like you know again it's one of those things of it is hilarious to look at this situation and go you know how did this not happen how did this not happen how did we not get to here it's legitimately ludicrous it's ludicrous you know it it it, it i really feel like it it's such a major opportunity lost because it's not even like it was a high, it would be a high risk decision I tell you, you get that sweet European contingent. Down I mean, pat. like, you know, you're engaging, you're you're engaging with your European audience, which is a lot more than can be said about WWE for a long time. <laughs> and I say that even after the creation of NXT UK. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it, and like the thing is, I know, I know. Again, like certain fans start to go on about the. Oh well, I don't know if I don't know if I feel I don't feel like you feel like he's legit, or I don't feel like he he'd be a good champion. And I'm like, I mean, you know, a that's the job of the company to make them seem legit. Like mm. I feel like people forget that about wrestling. But but also, I really feel like it would be hard to not take Cesaro as a legit competitor. Yeah, yeah, like you I have said, to try. He can basically manhandle anyone in the roster. Mm-hmm. With you know, with you know, if we're talking like people across that same timeline, you know, with like maybe the exception of someone like you know, like the Big Show, or in some cases, someone like a Keith Lee or a Braun Strowman. Mm. But you know, you can you can leave out as their own thing and just be like, yeah, oh, you know, couldn't do it. Mm. But then also, you get the benefit of. If he figures out a way, it's gonna look fucking cool. Mm. <sighs> you know, it, it, it's it's one of the it, it's it really is one of those things of like battling. It, 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 it gives you such a, a mindset into the kind of direction things things were and are going. Yeah. And you know it, it 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 it's really a shame because there's not really enough that can be said about how fucking good Cesaro is. Yeah, he really, really is. So the final question to wrap this up, ch- uh, chaps, is where would you like to see Claudio Castagnoli now? Noah, 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 Noah. I see a run in Noah would be trem- <laughs> honestly would be tremendous for him to go up against. I feel you know, like guys I like, feel like that's become my bit at this point. Fujita, Goshiyazaki. Someone, someone gets released from WWE, and I'm just like, I want to see them in Noah. I want to see him back make in, that my bit now. I want to see him in DDT and having swimming pool matches with Konosuke Takeshita. Like it's. <laughs> Like honestly, a tour of Japan would be great, and if it were back in Noah, oh, man, I would be so damn for that. Would be so damn for having him being in Noah. Gleet, maybe I could, I could definitely see him in Gleet for sure. That is, 
Now that's hitting a certain part of my brain. <laughs> I could, so I could hear. <laughs> New Japan's oh obviously a, 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 you know, yeah, New, huge J- New Japan, New Japan's obvious, but yeah. honestly, I feel like that the kind of competition that you should be looking for isn't there. Like, yeah, we'll I talk. Claudio's well, at a moment in his life and his career where he can actually ha- absolutely has the freedom to pick and choose what he'd like to do before making the next big decision. Well, that's that's the thing, because I think I mean I think about it, and yeah, there there are, there are good matches in New Japan. I'm just worried they'd stick him in like a, they'd stick him in a program with Billy. Yeah, I mm. so just so that like you know they can have like seven matches and then Billy can reuse the same spot in all seven of them. <laughs> True. Although you know Tomohiro Ishii would also be well, like a phenomenal say, so match. Like, so like Ishii. Suzuki, Shingo would be a tremendous match. You know, basically most members of the old guard: Nagata, Satoshi Kojima, Kojima. Although something in my head saying maybe they had a match way back. I believe they have. I believe like they like have. way back, like two thousand and like. I want to say 2006, 2005. I was say, like, 2005 match. to 2007, maybe. Real talk. But yeah, like, like, but like any any of them would be good shouts. Obviously, there's a whole wealth of talent on the American independence. Yeah. So, like, Cesaro versus someone like Josh Alexander. That would be tremendous. That would be a tremendous... Like, him and Gresh for the ROH championship would be outstanding. Yeah, like him and him and Gresh, Alex um, Shelley. Oh, him and Alex Shelley would put on an amazing match. So, like, like when you were saying about DDT, Chris Brooks. Mm-hmm. I would say if it was going to be New Japan, hear me out on this one. To be the fantasy booker here, how about we have uh, the surprise? Well, two surprise announcements for the G One. We have Brian Danielson finally getting his chance of being at the G One climax. But the big, the Big surprise would be Claudio Castagnoli in the G1 climax. Well, I I've been saying oh, yeah. as a uh, as my friend Jay will say, I've been repeating the phrase G1 Swiss over <laughs> and over. I would say like, you were going to put it like G1 Swiss. Let's get it going. So, like real talk, that would be. I would say if he was going to go New Japan, that would be so perfect. Okay. <laughs> Hear me out, hear me out, New Japan wise. <clears throat> Surprise entrance for Tag League. Kings of Wrestling. Mm hmm. Oh, <laughs> Hero and Castagnoli in the Tag League would be insane. Yeah, I think, I think if, if I'm, if I'm looking singles and I say this both in the, in the sense of the meme, but also unironically, I would love to see him run a Noah program. Yeah. I'm talking like, you know, I mean, obviously throw Segura in there, but like... I want to see him versus Shiazaki, honestly. I was going to say, like, throw Shiazaki, Nakajima. If you want to throw, like, throw a Sakuraba in there. (laughs) And then, like, cap it off, give him a match against... like Then cap it off with, like, Hideki Suzuki and Takashi Sugiura. Just run the entire like, just run it over like six weeks. There you go. Bloodsport nine, then, of course, will have we'll have Claudio in there. Obviously. Oh, 
Bloodsport 9, Claudio Castagnoli versus Timothy Thatcher. Versus Biff Busick. It will be the first triple threat. The first free, the first free man match. Um, of course, we're skirting around, of course, the obvious one of being AEW. Yes. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, is I think he'd be good mm. in the AEW environment. But, like, I'd really like to see... I, I just want to see a different environment. I want to yeah. see him spread his wings first, you know? Before you know, he like, makes that I, big. Like, I, I know, I know AEW is an obvious choice. I'd say give him a couple of matches, but not an actual, like... Be in the company, I think is the yeah. It's my, it's my so like a New Japan appearance, say like guys like Yuji Nagata or Satoshi Kojima that have been in there that have cut like Kenta as well that have come in, had those matches. You know, like, like as I say, like, let him out. pop up, let him pop up somewhere else. Give hmm. him like a marquee, and then we can think later about bringing him in. Yeah, yeah. because the only logical. Like, but then you... again, like like we said though, with with Tony Khan. Buying the rights to ROH for shows. You never know. He could rack up in Ring of Honor. You know, in in whatever revived ROH program that they bring. I mean, having him as a ha- having him as like a restart based champion. It's probably not the most glamorous title reign, but you know, it could be. It could be a position. I I agree. I mean, and of, course, all... and of course, it leaves you room to pivot later. Exactly, and I say the only logical, the only logical decision they could ever think about bringing Claudio in is they, they there is unfinished business. Everyone knows there is unfinished business between him and Eddie Kingston. <laughs> well, because yeah, it's that, yeah. and then also because you think about it, right? And they said about the ROH program that they want to run will be kind of more like about developing the next generation of AEW. Who better to put in like, that? Because uh, no, it's, it's worth saying that for like the last couple of years that he was at uh, Chikara, he was leading the Chikara Dojo. Yeah. So <clears throat> just have him there as like a as like a foundation for everyone to work off. And of course, it's like the thing of eventually someone will supplant the master. So this... whoever does that gets an absolute monster push. Yeah. You're going to have someone that's going to have consistently great matches against a wide range of people. He's believable. It's totally legit that he'd be beating them because you can sell experience, you can you can sell technique, you can sell all of that. And then, like I said, it gives you room to pivot him into the AEW product later. Yeah. So, are we in conclusion of saying that the future's bright for Claudio? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I, I, oh, he yeah. is one of those people that, like, I think for any company in the world, you'd be there and say, you know, <laughs> I I want him. I'll say this. It, uh, what's the betting that everything we've said is totally wrong and then he goes left field and relaunches his coffee YouTube channel? <laughs> Yo, look, right, if the man wants to get into selling coffee, he can sell coffee. I will not oh, argue with him. He'd, he'd do an incredible coffee commercial. I <sighs> could see that. Giant swing coffee from Claudia. <laughs> like, 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 no lie, he could go in there. If, if, if he wants to get into the game, get in touch with, uh, was it, uh, Matt Raywalt and start doing whiskey tastings. 
<laughs> legit <laughs> and then just do a show that's called like an evening with cesaro where it's just like 30 minutes long on youtube and it's just cesaro talking while like talking about wrestling while giving tasting notes for whiskey i would watch the shit out of that before i go to sleep I can imagine him hitting the uh, yes the... i know that this is an incredibly specific niche of content <laughs> the, the neckerchief and the velvet coat isn't it <laughs> absolutely <laughs> I so want that now. Claudio, if like, you're listening, we want I'm not, you. I'm not wrong, though. I know there's people out there that aren't me that would want it. We want Claudio's cafe back, but even better. <laughs> Make it, Claudio. You know you want to. All right, well, with that, it is time to end this, all this about Cesaro. That was a high and low, a very emotional episode, if you want oh, to yeah. me. Oh yeah, very emotionally driven episode. But I'm glad I got it out because there's there was so much I wanted to say and get out into the ether as to why you know, god damn it, why I love Cesaro and why as we as a collective and as wrestling fans love Cesaro so damn much. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I mean, it was it has been useful for me because this entire week my blood has been full of vinegar and venom, <laughs> but no piss. <laughs> no, no, none of that, unfortunately. Ah, <laughs> uh, all right then, chaps, and everyone. Our next episode, we are well on the way to WrestleMania. We are cruising along the road, and we're going to make a couple of stop gaps before the event itself. And we're going to be starting off on our next episode with one of our weirder review episodes. May I add? As don't me, question it. Me, Dad, and Reardon. I don't know why. This was my idea, so I don't know why they agreed to this idea. We are going to be reviewing <laughs> the classic Stock, Waterman, and Aiken classic, WrestleMania, the album. Executively produced by Simon Cow. <laughs> Look, right, we heard that one fact and went, you know what, we have to do this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's two mu- there's two musicians on this show, <laughs> both of varying degrees of competency. <laughs> yes, this is going to be an interesting one. I don't know what you guys are going to be like. How like we're going to like break down the tracks? It's going to be. Fun oh, we're we're doing we're down. doing a full on track by track review. I am going to be embodying my best Anthony Fantano. As you should, as everyone should. And again, I may even just mix it up and just have it be an entirely like needle drop episode. <laughs> but on that note, as we gear up in the in the weirdest way on the road to WrestleMania, that is all for this episode. I have been Sav. This has been Dan and Reardon, and you have been listening to the Sweet Chinwag Podcast. We'll see you as ever on the next one. Bye, everybody. G1 Swiss. G1 Swiss. Wee woo, wee woo. <laughs>